Long days and pleasant nights to everybody. Um, this week's episode is Shan Smith, who is an actor, writer, producer, director, and all-around good boy. That's right, I said he's a good boy. Um, he's a good fella, not like a... I'm funny, like a clown, kind of good fella, but like a good fella. Um, if you like the podcast, uh, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. That helps me get my numbers up, I guess. I don't really know how it all works, but I've heard that's a good thing to do. Um, then also, if you like it and you got a little, little you know, a little bit of extra of that uh, sweet, sweet green in your pocket, give me some of it. Go to patreon.com and look up positive and negative. You can find it there. Um, also, I'm going to take this time to plug my other podcast. It's Smuggle Buddies. We're starting to record those more regularly. Also, I forgot to tell you the reason this sounds like shit is because I'm recording on the built-in mic on the Mac. And because I packed up all my mics because I am moving. But anyway, Smuggle Buddies, we're going to record that more regularly because the, if the moving, um, we got off track and we're taking a hiatus. Because um, two of the three, four people that are in that involved that had to pack up their lives and move away um but uh also i'd like to also take this time to thank everyone that has been listening for listening and all the new people thank you very much it means a lot when i do see like 15 or or in some case like nearing 100 people listening to these things and i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to me and whomever I decided was interesting this week to talk for an hour, I really, I really do appreciate it. I think it's really a wonderful thing, and thank you very much for it. Um, so I'm going to stop blathering in poor audio quality and um, let you listen to Shan talk with me about shit that's wrong with his life. And good shit, too. Doing this. Hi, Shan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, you know, good and stuff. <laughs> this is this is already great. Um, but yeah, uh, you you're a writer, an actor, a producer. Do you do you do anything else? Uh, not really. Uh, I try and do other things, mm-hmm. but it, nothing really pans out. I'm very much a <laughs> career oriented person. Okay. <laughs> it's more of like I have tiny hobbies that I do, but mm-hmm. nothing that really. That I really spend too much time on. Okay, that makes sense. Like, no, just knowing what you're good at and just trying to make that a career. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Every time I find a skill, I'm thinking, how can I monetize this? (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. That's very, uh, very capitalistic, I would like to say. Um, And uh, you're you're not from around here, right? You're from the South, right? Yeah, I'm from uh, a small little town about two hours outside of Memphis called Dyersburg, Tennessee. All right. It's about as dire as it sounds. <laughs> it's the, it's, I wouldn't recommend a visit. Just keep driving straight to Memphis. Okay. And even then, keep driving mm-hmm. past that, because Memphis isn't that great either. No? No. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's a pretty rough place. Tennessee itself is just a really rough, lawless wasteland. Yeah. Yeah, if, there, if you have Tennesseans who listen to this, sorry guys. Well, well, I don't think I will, but people might listen who are interested in hearing you speak might be from Tennessee. So, <laughs> really, it's all, the onus is on you, and you dealing with that. Well, 
uh, disclaimer, I do not like Tennessee. <laughs> so. okay. I feel like I've talked to a fair amount of the artists, you know, and as always, I, I have yet to find one that, like, really enjoys their home state or their hometown. I think that's just a thing. I feel, because I talk to a lot of people who are from New York who are just mm. like, man, I'd love to go down where there's fields. <laughs> They're like, you grow up in a small town your entire life, and you're just mm. like, it's... Especially when you're like me, who's very artistic, who's very career oriented, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of opportunity in a place like that. For you sure. can go to Nashville, you can go to Memphis, but even then, there's so much more opportunity in places like New York, Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it's unless you're a country music singer, there's really nothing for you in Tennessee. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, even then, I don't know. I feel like the odds would be really. I've actually got a friend who graduated with me at AMDA. Like, yeah. she was from uh, North Carolina. She moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And as long, it's just one of those things. It's like acting. Like, as long mm-hmm. as you work really, really hard, you may not be like super famous, but you will be successful. Yes. You'll be fulfilled. Yeah. Um... She's currently doing really well. Like, she just released awesome. an EP. I love her. Good. Uh, do you, you, does she have a name or what? Oh yeah, Danielle Cormier. <laughs> Danielle Cormier. 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 Yeah, okay. she uh, she's great. She does folk music. She wow. went to school with me. Uh, you guys look her up. It'll mm-hmm. be great. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, play any music or anything? No, I try to sing. It doesn't always pan out. <laughs> I used like in high school. I was like I was I was in chorus. I mm-hmm. used to be able to sing really well. And then I went to theater school just for straight acting, and I heard all these other people singing so much better than I could, mm. and I was like, not a singer. Okay. <laughs> and it's fine, because I don't, I never wanted to make a career out of it anyways, but I try to sing. I want to learn how to play piano really oh, yeah. badly, because I, um, and I also want to learn how to compose music so mm. I can start trying to write, because uh, I have ideas for musicals and stuff, mm. and I, a lot of my friends are they just don't want to help me out. <laughs> They're just like, writing's hard. And I'm like, well, screw you. <laughs> uh, well, you got the hair for a composer, for yeah. sure. I, I got the hair for a lot of things. Yeah. I got the hair for, like, a mad scientist, oh, you yeah. know. Yeah, I guess you. My, mine gets the same way when it gets long, so it's, you're in good company. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's really cool, though. Like, um, I've recently also, like, I do, I'm writing this web series, and one of the episodes is a musical or web series, and it's, like, a lot harder than, you think, oh, that's, like, a good idea, and then you're like, oh, no, I and have to, like... <laughs> and then you realize, uh, oh, the arrangements matter. Oh, uh, you have to have a really killer opening number. Because uh, I've been thinking yep. about doing things like that, too, because I'm also writing a web series right mm-hmm. now based on my play, yeah. and I was thinking, like... Everybody who wa- if this gets a fan base, everyone's gonna want a musical episode. Oh, for sure. Everyone in here can. Everyone that I'm gonna cast is gonna be able to sing, because mm. most actors can at least sing a little bit, except yeah. for me. <laughs> I I don't know about that. I've I've worked with a fair amount of actors. I'm like, ooh, you should just not. But they have the confidence, <laughs> and that's the key. Yes, confidence is key. Looking at you, Dame Judy Dench. Looking at you, she's <laughs> like, oh. Just let me just talk very lightly, and it's like I'm singing. Really, truly, it is. Um, <laughs> Throwing shade at Dame Judy Dench. I think she can handle it. I yeah. mean, like I mean, if she does, if she does listen to this, she's just gonna be like, "Well, I'm still relevant." <laughs> no, I love her so much, though. Like, actually, though, she's one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
I do also like, um, have you seen uh, As Time Goes By? It's a sitcom she did with Jeffrey Palmer. No, I haven't. It's very good. Um, it's obviously done for the BBC, um, but basically Jeffrey Palmer is just like, he, he came from like the military and he's very like, I like rehearsal, I like knowing what I'm doing, and like very brr, 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 brr. And she's just like, I don't really know my lines until they say action, and then I just kind of do them. And, just, and there was a lot of like, they respected each other a lot, but they did not work well together. At I don't first. think she and I would work well together. Oh, no. I'm such a structured person, like, oh. it has to be like this. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing that um. you probably didn't even catch working with me on <laughs> comedy, because I was so. All over the place. the place. Yeah, that's fair. That's uh, that was uh, a kind of all over the place play uh, production and play and stuff like what with the director changing like two weeks before we opened. And, yeah, uh, that, that was. Stuff. But we pulled it together really well. Yeah, I I do. I was very proud that we actually managed to like. Oh, this is passable. This, this is, is a show. <laughs> yeah. By the end of the run, it was also like a very good show. The first couple, like I was talking to Michael, who's in Tempest with me right now, and he's like, "Oh, I saw the first first um run of the first showing of of comedy various i was like oh, i'm sorry that you saw that one because we were all still like uh, uh oh that was so bad yeah and there's that weekend that i was out because i got pink eye in oh, both yeah, my eyes i got so okay i got so sick just out of the blue mm-hmm. and i got this awful sinus infection mm-hmm. and then it turned into pink eye in both eyes like severe pink eye i had to go to the doctor i had to get eye drops it was the worst and i and i was in constant contact with uh melissa and vanessa who run Mm -hmm. who run it yeah they uh fools and kings project look them up you guys tempest Mm -hmm. um and they were just like you can't come in (laughs) you cannot be here it's like you 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 wear a mask like you're gonna get you're gonna give everyone pink eye yeah (laughs) please do not show up we love you but please leave and then apparently but apparently vanessa like killed it yeah for like having never like done any work on it she did very well yeah i because vanessa is a superwoman yeah it is I, i look at like i'll watch her thinking about stuff and i'm I imagine it's like a drop-down menu in her mind where she's thinking about, like, oh, here's world history over here. Here's the thing I'm actually <laughs> supposed to be focusing on, and then there's this other thing. And as someone who has, like, high-functioning ADHD, too, I'm like, I can respect that, but also, like, the level she's at is something that's, like, fuck. She's, like, one of those people who, who like, has memorized all of the lore of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and Harry Potter, mm-hmm. not to mention all of Shakespeare's canon. Yeah. Like, it's, it's amazing. She's yeah. one of the smartest people I know. Yeah. There's this, and it's, um, it seems to be, and there's this wonderful quality about her, uh, it's, and a few other people I know, it seems to be, like, an innate intelligence, rather than, like, oh, why, like, she's memorized a lot of facts and figures and stuff like that, but it's also, like, you meet people who are just like, oh, you are just, you can pick up stuff like that, mm-hmm. and where does that come from? Jeez, I wish I could have that. It actually reminds me of my little brother, because mm-hmm. my little brother does this thing, he and I both are very kind of like isolated people. Like we prefer True. our being alone, mm-hmm. but I, I'm a little bit more on the social side than he is. Uh, and what he does is when he gets into something, like he reads the entire Wikipedia article. He goes to every single resource he can find and he just absorbs the information like a sponge. Like he mm-hmm. got into Doctor Who no. and literally within like a month of having gotten into the new series of Doctor mm-hmm. Who, he had watched <laughs> practically all all of the old series wow. that was available. Wow. And he knew he knew every single companion's name. He knew which ones were awful, which ones weren't opinion-wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and it's things like that. Like, he did the same thing with Pokemon. He's done the same thing with cartooning, because now he's getting into cartooning and making comics. And awesome. he, like, he did um, work for my show. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the prints or anything. Um, I don't think so. But yeah, I'll, I'll send them to you. Yeah, yeah. But um, he did these amazing prints for the show, and he's really, he's going to, I can tell he's going to go far, because he's one of those people who just keeps his head down and works. Yeah. And I think that's what Vanessa is like, too. Oh, like, she sure. keeps her head down and she works. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's a quality that I'm trying to force myself to have. Yeah. Because it's so, it's really <laughs> difficult for me to. Yeah, I get you. It's very, dis- it's a very distracting world in which we live, and there's also this thing of, like, um... The person that, I totally agree with that, like, every time I've, like, done a, a day job of, like, I don't care about rumors in the workplace, I don't care, but, like, I just, I'm here to work. And it's kind of similarly in, in, um, whenever I'm doing a play or a film set, I'm like, I know my lines and I'm here to do this thing. We're all part, you know, here to do this thing. And I'm also, like, for having fun and so forth, but the, um, person that, to me, really, uh, really hammered that in wasn't just, like, like my parents work very hard and that sort of thing but like i i read nick offerman's books mm-hmm. and he is all about that hard work though and then like doing a lot of hard work and then smoking a shitload of weed <laughs> like <laughs> like when you are not working i'm like that's that you found a system that's great um but yeah uh i think i think the benefit of i think artists have a very hard time working hard because what we do is generally romanticized to the point of like oh it's mm-hmm. just this ethereal thing that comes upon me and then I will go create and it's like no Stephen King is a pro- prolific writer for a reason because he writes a novel a year Woody Allen ditto with movies um cause you just gotta make shit constantly mm-hmm. to be good at it but anyway you ha- you mentioned your play a couple of times um talk to me a little bit about that it just closed right yeah it did it uh it just had a limited run and the thespis festival we played three nights Mm -hmm. uh monday friday and sunday Mm -hmm. uh it is called super uh the name's probably gonna change because there's like five other plays called super currently in new york city Um, (laughs) makes sense uh, but it is all about the lives of three people and how they are affected by the suicide of a superhero. Oh. And not just any superhero, he is the world's first superhero. Okay. And one of the things that you that I really try to explore in this play is that he doesn't kill himself because oh he's a superhero and oh the burden of being a hero mm-hmm. like you see in comics. Mm-hmm. He kills himself because he had a very abusive childhood. He grew up with severe anxiety and depression that Mm -hmm. he never dealt with Mm -hmm. and the way that sort of shows because in the third act of the play we go to before his suicide we see him five days before Mm -hmm. and the way it manifests is there are these three characters contempt fear and hope Mm -hmm. and they each represent it's almost kind of like inside out Sure. Like, you yeah. know how you have those emotions and they all control? Mm-hmm. In this, you get the very you get the sense that contempt, which is, represents his hatred for himself, has kind of taken control. Mm-hmm. And you see how he's constantly tormented by his own mind, mm-hmm. while outwardly, he barely shows it. Yeah. You see, he only gets validation and hope from the people around him, and he can't get it from inside of himself. Yeah. And you all, and then you also see how he, as a person, affected the lives of two other people, mm-hmm. and how their own visions of him have went on to just almost destroy them when he killed himself. Yeah, and it's 
a really it's a really personal piece for me mm-hmm. because I consider because it's a three act show. Each act focuses on a different character, and I consider each character a different stage of my life. Yeah. Uh, first act uh, happened. It's like the immediate aftermath of the suicide. Yeah. And it's one of his fans, and uh, she's like a super fan. She loves everything about him, and she's kind of deitized him. Mm-hmm. She's turned him into this godlike figure, and her entire journey is figuring out that no, he was just a person who happened to have powers. Who was really, really sad and fucked up. Yeah. And uh, I was like that before I came to New York City. I I had this like uh, huge obsession with the show Supernatural. Sure. And, you know, you know, I was one of those internet people. I had a podcast where we talked about, like, <laughs> you can probably find it on YouTube. Super like, Hulak. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but. <laughs> you know, it's fine. We've all done shitty things. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm serious. Like, it was not okay. It wasn't great. <laughs> it was awful. It was like 16-year-old me uh-huh. thinking that I deserved a platform. <laughs> I mean, every 16-year-old's like that. What's unfortunate is this day and age with, like, Vine and stuff, they have a platform, and so it's like, oh, you say things that are on the internet forever. Crap. This is not good. Some people are really smart about it, though, and mm-hmm. I wish I just would have been as smart. Cause yeah, I'm just, for sure. If you, you can probably find it. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you can probably find it. I'm going to find it and play a clip of it after this segment, I hope. I hope <laughs> I can do this thing. Well, I'm talking, they were like two-hour-long oh, podcast. Shit. Wow. And we actually, we got pretty big. Like, we had about <laughs> 400 people tuning in every week. Wow. I got, like, 2,000 followers on Tumblr from it. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Bring those people here. Bring uh, them here. I, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, you were saying it's like you you were shitty before you came to New York. Um, yeah, I was, I was very much um, in this place where... I got all of my uh, happiness and joy from these from television, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why I came to New York City to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And then um, Act Two follows uh, uh, a woman named Cassie, who is kind of the superhero's protege. Okay. Uh, she can't control her powers because mm-hmm. her anxiety is so severe that mm-hmm. she feels like she is going to just explode in any second. But mm-hmm. you never see that, because one of the things that I really wanted to try and show was people with anxiety do not broadcast that they have anxiety. No, 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 no. And that was, a, that was a thing that I kind of had to talk to a few people about when they were reading the script. Like, no, she's she yes, she's freaking out, but she's not going to tell anybody. Yeah. Like, uh, and when I came to New York City and I went to AMDA, I had never had any kind of therapy before. Mm-hmm. So my anxiety was getting really, really bad because I was on my own for the first time. For sure. Um, and I mean, my parents were helping me because they're great people. Mm-hmm. But I was alone. I was really worried about my own self-worth, all this. And I realized that I, I, did, I didn't remember a time when I wasn't stressed. Yeah. And that was a huge thing for me, and I told my parents that, and we were just like, you have to get help. Mm-hmm. And I got help, and then, and now I'm, I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot better, because therapy is golden. Yeah. Especially when you have something like anxiety and depression, where mm-hmm. it really warps your mood and distorts your reality. Mm-hmm. You kind of end up in this place where you almost feel apathetic towards the world. Mm-hmm. You get so stressed out that it's almost like time stops around you and you shirk everything you're doing mm-hmm. and you become 
destitute almost. Yeah. And it's a really, really, it's a really, really difficult thing to live with, especially as an artist and someone like me who is 100% fixated on, I have to get things done. I have to move forward for sure to be stagnated like that. Cause I, I'm fully aware when it happens Mm -hmm. and in the play, Cassie is fully aware that it happens, but she feels so helpless because it's it's her own mind, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Plus, her teacher just died, yeah. so that's something that she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. And her brother was dating her teacher, and he refuses to talk to her. Wow. Um, and then you get to Act 3. Act 3 was in, like, I call it the me that would have been. Okay. Uh, the, char- the superhero's name is Steven. Mm-hmm. And I look at him, and I, it, the third act was the easiest for me to write because I knew exactly I was able to put myself in that headspace again. Mm-hmm. It was really it was like easy but hard. Like I could write, I wrote it really easily, but mm-hmm. it put me in a really, really? bad space. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because so, I got because I mean when I was in middle school, I was very very suicidal. Mm-hmm. I was very very sad. I didn't feel like I had anybody I could talk to. Um, and my anxiety was off the charts Mm -hmm. and, uh, I just, I didn't know what, I didn't know if I was going to live through that year. Yeah. And so I eventually, I found some really good friends when I, when I started my freshman year of high school and I was able to talk to my mom a lot more, but, um, Steven is the me that I feel like would have happened. Like if I hadn't have gone to the high school that I went to, Mm -hmm. if I hadn't have finally decided to be really open with my mom, Mm -hmm. Steven's like, what if, what if Mm -hmm. he's the, what if, and he's really, he's really one of my favorite characters that I've ever written Mm -hmm. because he's just, I I love making people sad. (laughs) Um, and he's just, he's tragic, but he's not tragic because he he's not tragic because he killed himself. He's tragic because it was when you fi- when the audience finally sees him, it's just too late. Yeah. Like there's nothing Thing they can do. There's nothing that mm-hmm. they can do, and all they can do is watch him fall. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's I didn't. Not a very comfortable position to put your audience in, which is it's, lovely, I think. Well, the thing is, I ended the first two acts on like a kind of happy note. Yeah. Like Cassie ends up, and she's like, "I have anxiety. I have to deal with it, and mm-hmm. I, I have to be able to talk to my family." And I wanted to show people that that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of wanted to show that. Um, sorry. It's fine. I wanted to show that. Stephen was a person, mm-hmm. and I wanted to show that people go through that. Yeah. People do, people get stuck inside themselves. They get stuck in their minds, and it gets to a point where you literally, you can't help them. Yeah. You can try, but Stephen got to this point where it's just, he didn't feel like anybody could really understand where he was. Yeah. And it's upsetting that... He's like that, but again, I feel like it's one of the most honest things I've ever put in sh- put down on paper. Yeah, and it is. It's the, the kind of the old cliche of you can't help people who don't want it, and mm-hmm. like when you're stuck in your own mind, specifically when you're depressed, it's not even that you don't want help a lot of the time. It's that you cars. Um, <laughs> it feels like you're you don't deserve anything anyone to help any or you don't want to bother people that's always been the, mm-hmm. the way my mind kind of 
thinks of it as like, I don't want to bother this person. I don't want to contribute negatively into their life. And I know if I ask for help in this way, I will be. But yeah, it's difficult because you you don't think you deserve help and you don't want to bother anyone. That's always how it's been in my mind. And it's a difficult thing to deal with. Um, I had a couple of thoughts while you were talking. Um, number one, like that in regards to like the anxiety thing, um, you talked about like how you had a moment of like when you first moved here of like, oh, this is this is how I feel. I had a similar moment. I was talking to Miles, who you met just now. Um, of uh, I was describing what I felt like to be happy to him, and I'm like, oh, it's just relaxation. <laughs> but it it feels like relaxation, like there's nothing to worry about. And he goes, oh, that kind of that kind of sounds like you're always worried about something. Then anytime you're not happy, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> the other thing is, um, in regards to therapy, I always thought it was very um, it was good. To have a therapist because you check in with someone who's reasonable, essentially. Mm -hmm. You can go and like, am I making this up in my mind or not? Is this a legitimate concern? Yeah. And going to them and having someone either as a therapist or a counselor or, or someone in your life that can look objectively and go, mm -hmm. am I being, checking in and going, am I being okay, is always good. Um, do you do CBT? What kind of therapy do you do? Um, I, it's, it ended up being... I don't know who mm -hmm. runs it, but um, <laughs> I, I called see this guy in an alley. I called uh, my guidance counselor from AMDA, which is where I went to school. Yeah, and he gave me the name of this man who. <laughs> no, it sounds so sketchy. It's not. Though. It's not sketchy. I promise. It's legit. But um, he gave me the name of this guy who. Uh, uh, he they see a lot of people all the time, and they match you with a therapist that you can afford and a therapist that fits like your needs. I feel so bad for my therapist. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's a very common sentiment. But I told her because I was matched with her because at the time I thought what I was experiencing was body image issues. I see. And it ended up being so oh, much oh more. Oh no. Like I, but she's, but no. she's great. And mm -hmm. I've been seeing her for the last two years. Mm -hmm. It's been wonderful. Um, but yeah, I see her, once a week, I try to see her once a week, but yeah. I'm so busy nowadays. Like I, it's kind of becoming a twice a week kind of thing, which sure. sucks. Mm -hmm. But um, I see her once a week, and we just talk. And one of the things that she does that really, really helps me, and it's why I hate not going every week because I really need it. Mm -hmm. She validates a lot of what I'm feeling. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I always struggled with was validation. Mm -hmm. Because I went, I had a really rough childhood. I got bullied a lot as a kid. I had a really crappy older brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of, they really, you know the term gaslighting? Oh, for sure, yeah. They really did that. Like, they made me question my reality. They mm -hmm. made me question how I feel. So it ended up morphing into this really intense anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't trust myself. Yeah. I couldn't trust anything I was feeling. So when I finally sat down and I talked to my therapist, she was she told me everything you feel is valid because mm -hmm. you're feeling it in this moment. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do is you just have to talk about it and you have to think about it and you have to accept that even if you don't even if you yourself do not think that this is something you should be worrying about, you are worrying about it now. Mm -hmm. And you're going to worry about it until you 
can talk to someone until you can work through. Mm-hmm. And that was a really, really important lesson that I had to learn. Yeah. And it's one that I still struggle with today. Like, there's still a lot of friends that I feel like, oh, I shouldn't talk to them about this. Like, even my best friend, who's been my roommate, we've been friends since I graduated. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel like I can talk to her about everything. Yeah. And that's one thing I realized a lot of people have that I don't. I don't have a person outside of my therapist that I can tell everything to. I see. Like, that's, um, and that comes from a lot of anxiety and paranoia about people around me. Like, Mm -hmm. I realized when I got into therapy, one, I didn't trust anybody (laughs) around me. I trusted no one. Mm -hmm. I told her, one of the things I told her was, yeah, I'm always walking on eggshells in every single conversation that I have. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was like, that's awful. Yeah. I was like, it's yeah. exhausting. It's oh, the yeah. worst. Yeah. I remember, because I remember first, like, I compared myself first semester of AMDA and my last semester of AMDA. Yeah. And how much, me- how mellow I had become. Mm-hmm. And it was such a obnoxious feeling, because I was like, imagine if I would have gone to therapy just a little bit earlier, like, before <sighs> I started. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. That constant what if I had. Yeah, yeah, like I always think like imagine if I had taken myself where I am right now mm-hmm. and just went back in time and just put it right there. Mm-hmm. Like think of all the successes I would have had. Mm-hmm. But then I realize I wouldn't be the person I am now yeah. if I hadn't gone through that. For sure. It's just... Ugh. It is annoying. Like I'll look back and go if I had the as open of a mind as a... I do now, when I first went to school, I'd be like, I would have observed so much more, I probably would have been, a, I'd be a better actor for it, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, but like, it's, I feel like a lot of that is also just coming with age, you know, because yeah. the more you do, the more you learn, and hopefully, if not, you're an insane person, <laughs> who is like, and I mean that as like, a person who is trying the same thing, expecting a different outcome, mm-hmm. if you don't learn, that's what you do, and that's legal insanity, which is different than what we're doing, no, um, <laughs> But yeah, and it, it, it's that constant what if, what, and it's something I know I have to, I, I reckon with a lot, and I do this joke of, um, I hate how 20% of my brain is devoted to missed opportunities, because those shoes weren't even that cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, stuff like that. But it is, it's true, because it comes from that, like, they're, like, I'll think about, like, oh, I fucked up, I missed this thing, and then you just kind of gotta move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you did, like, any Meisner training at AMDA or anything. But they don't have. I don't remember the names. Okay. I know Stanislavski, but it's only because, like, every every acting teacher mm. has a hard-on for Stanislavski. That's true. It's disgusting. Every time they just, they open the door, welcome you into class, it is just a throbbing erection for this Russian yeah. guy. <laughs> um, no. Uh, but it is this thing of, uh, Meisner's, like, about the idea of, like, moment to moment. And it's, like, the, um, the beautiful thing that my teacher said, I didn't get along with her very well, um... But I know she liked, she respected me, but we didn't get on, which is a very interesting place to be with a teacher. But anyway, um, she has so this wonderful thing of like, if you miss a moment, just move, just try and get the next one. Just try and get the mm-hmm. next one. It's like the trains here in New York. If you miss the train, just hop on the next one. It's going to be fine. And I feel like that's opportunities as well. You know, try and grab everyone you can, obviously, when it comes up and it's a good time, but like... There will always be something to do, specifically in our line of work. Either you're going to be making stuff yourself or you're going to be around, like, because there's a lot of stuff being made. Chances mm-hmm. are you're going to be a part of something. Yeah. I remember one thing about acting school that really helped me, helped mm-hmm. put me into, like, a really good mental place by the end was mm-hmm. 
I had I realized uh, halfway through that I always considered my mental self and my physical self two separate beings. Hmm. Which is a really interesting thing because there's a really good. I don't know if anybody who you who listens to you or if you've you know Alexander technique. Oh yeah, for sure. Alexander technique, taking those like making those minute adjustments and changing your life. Yeah. Which is what it really does. I had this really great Alexander technique teacher, and what he did was. Like halfway through, we would always have uh, solo conferences with all teachers, huh. which is which is really yeah. good because you got to they really talk to you about how you needed to improve and how they thought you were doing in class. Like it's part of the reason why I cut my hair. Hmm. Like I had a teacher tell me like if you don't cut your hair, you're not going to get a job. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. But um, for Alexander technique, he had us come in, and he played a, played a song hmm. as most acting teachers do and you play a song he had us close our eyes and then he had us answer all these questions and then he gave us a visualization and one of my mm-hmm. visualizations was i uh was i'm in a whirlpool and i'm going down and there's a it's like land is encircling this body of water that mm-hmm. has the whirlpool in it sure and there is a being of light that's shaped just like me mm-hmm. and then I run to it and then as soon as I ran to it I immediately felt a calm wash over my body hmm. and that was, and he was like you visualize that because what's here mm-hmm. and what's here is not I just pointed to my head and my heart mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not connected uh-huh. and then I realized all of my problems that I've been having and acting make sense mm-hmm. I couldn't live moment to moment because my mind was in one place and my body was in another. Mm -hmm. And I realized a lot of that was from my, like, dealing with the anxiety. Oh, for sure. Going so far up into my mind, separating myself from my physical body because, like, I had bullies, because I had, like, even my own parents would say things like, you need to lose weight, you Mm -hmm. need to do this, you need to do that. Like, standard, standard body image problems. Yeah, for sure. Coupled with uh, all the other problems. Yeah. Just exacerbates things. Um, I had a really wonderful teacher named Jerry Casper, and um, in Minnesota, I did a couple classes with him in a, like, at a community college mm-hmm. and he said this beautiful thing of there's three parts to acting there's um there's mind body and soul and they're all linked and you have to find the other character in yourself you have to find how you interpret those three things and so i mean i i, I guess i lucked out that everything was connected a little earlier on because i was 18 but like that's really great that you had that opportunity and like it that's really cool, and that's also like a really interesting image that you just painted, and that's interesting to see how your mind works as well. Because when you do have like those visual visualizations, it's very telling, mm-hmm. you know. Because I've known people who are very literal and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But yeah, um, lull in the conversation, but that's fine. <laughs> lull music. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, we're going okay. off beat. Yeah, <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> yep. But that's fine. It's all about learning. Um, but yeah, um, so it came from so the first year is when you kind of realized, oh, I have this panic within yeah. me, and uh, first year of school that is, and um, 
but you've had it your whole life, and is that why you decided? To, I'm assuming you have it your whole yeah. life. Um, and because generally things like this don't just crop up. Like that's a yeah. very common misconception. It's like, oh, all of a sudden he's depressed. No, he's always been that way. He's just been quiet about it. The thing was, it was one of those things where I always knew. I always knew that it was a thing that I had. Mm-hmm. Like when I was younger, uh, I knew I was. I knew I was really stressed. I didn't know that it was anxiety. Mm-hmm. I just knew that. Oh my god, I'm so stressed out all the time. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, oh. You know, teenagers are always stressed out about something. Yeah. And my parents would play it off that way, too. And then they'd always say, like, you know, those incredibly unhelpful parental things. Like, oh, "Oh, you'll get over it. (laughs) Like, that doesn't help me now. Thanks, Mom. Or, like, you know, things are a lot harder for other people. I'm just like, (laughs) I don't care. Thanks. (laughs) I'm so so sad about those starving children in Africa, but I feel like I'm dying. Yes, now I'm stressed (laughs) about both what is going on in my life and then also the fact that I can't help children in Africa. Thank you. It's just... Doubled the workload. And then, like, when I was in high school, and after I moved to Tennessee, I was like, I really... Because I had, I had gotten on Tumblr, I had become much more socially conscious, yes. as most people who get on Tumblr usually are when yeah. they're 16. <sighs> yeah, it's a whole monster. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it means so well. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> but, oh my god. Call out cultures for another episode. But oh, anyways. Sure. Um, uh, I realized, like... What I'm feeling is not okay. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, I'm also really, really depressed. Like, I always knew there were moments where I would get really, really destitute and mm-hmm. where I would get sometimes feel really, really sad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is, this is anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So first I tried to get my parents to take me to a, psycho- to a psychiatrist so I could yeah. get diagnosed. They were just like, well, then they're going to give you medication. And that's going to change you. And I was like, okay. Yes. Maybe for the better, though? I was like one uh, but, of the things yeah. that always one of the things that always gets me about medication is mm. like that stigma is BS. Yeah. Like people are like you can't be as artistic when you're on medication. Listen, that's bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. It'll f- if anything the medication will focus you mm. and let you work on more things mm-hmm. and push you forward. Don't ever listen to anyone who's just like you shouldn't take those meds cuz they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look at someone like, um, and like, it also doesn't matter, like, if you're not as productive, per se, artistically, but you're happier as a person, that's worth it. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Like, it's one of those things of, like, if you look at someone like Carrie Fisher or Richard Dreyfus, who, like, have been on medication for a long time and happier because of it, mm-hmm. and more in control of their faculties, it's just like, oh, thank goodness. It's you... better to be a happy, healthy person than it is to, like make a play or mm-hmm. make a painting like always care about yourself first oh yeah always so important health of like all sorts is so important mm-hmm. and it also also is this thing of like if you t- i feel like it comes from the the medication thing coming kind of comes from like egotism of like well i'm this creative genius if i don't have whatever it is that makes me that what will change it but i'm sure if you had gone to vincent van gogh and been like hey i can make you happy he would have been like yes please please <laughs> Yeah, come on. I might have not, you know, painted... I would have painted different things, but... It's one of those things where, like, I feel like a lot of people think that all kinds of art... And art is. It's very much this ethereal Mm -hmm. thing. Like, sometimes you can transcend... It almost feels like into another plane if you Mm -hmm. believe in that kind of spiritual connection. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't need to have... You don't need to be in a 
depressive state. You don't need to be in this like constant uh, wave of stress. Yeah. You don't need to be there. You're already a creative person. Mm-hmm. You're you don't get creativity from mental illness. No. Like. Sure, you get a lot of pain from mental illness, and you might be able to translate that into your art. But is that worth it? I absolutely. I think I, I see what you're saying, and yeah, um, it's this idea of um, symptoms versus personality. Mm-hmm. Like, and I talk about this a lot because, like, that's a huge thing. When I behave a certain way, generally, when I behave shittily, I'm like, oh, this is a symptom of me not feeling well. Whereas I think I'm a decent person. Yeah, like, that sort of thing. But it also comes from like a creative standpoint of. People who are creative are creative, as you said, but also some. it depends on what kind of mental illness as well, I feel like, because um, someone like me who's manic-depressive, like mm-hmm. when you're in the up cycle, you do, at least, at the very least, you produce more work, whether mm-hmm. or not you're more creative. But it also is like a temperament thing of someone, I was talking to my sister about this, I think, um, of people who have hyperactive disorders of any kind are they see the world differently because they have these constant cacophony of ideas slamming together, and so they see things differently, and that's creativity as well. Mm-hmm. But I do see what you're saying, because it is like a personality thing. If mm-hmm. you're a creative person, you're a creative person. I mean, and yeah, like, obviously there are things where, yes, you go you go into that manic state, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can produce a lot of things, but especially some friends that I've talked to mm-hmm. also go through the same thing. They're like, yeah, I can produce a lot of things, but my focus is like oh, yeah. all over the place, mm-hmm. all over the place. And I have started to write so many books <laughs> and like, it's like, I remember I was like, Oh, I'll write this book of poems. And then I'll also write that. I think this novel. And then I just started mm-hmm. working on a comic book too. And I'm like, I'm just like started circling between those things. And I was like, my dude, mm-hmm. you can't do all this stuff. You can't do it. You You think you can do these things, Nemo, but you cannot. (laughs) You see, for me, it's like, for me, it can get to the, it can be the exact opposite. Mm. Like, I can start on something, and I can work on it for a long time, Mm -hmm. and then, like, I immediately just stop. I lose all interest. I I can't work on it anymore. Mm. Super, I had to really push through a lot. Like, I had to, like, stop for two or three weeks at a time and just go back into it because I just couldn't. It felt like I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, and a lot of that, I feel like, comes from the fact that when I get, especially when I get to like a really depressive state, I get so destitute, I get so mm-hmm. detached from everything, so apathetic that I think, what's the point of even continuing? Yeah, this doesn't matter. And, then when, you, and then when you have that mixed in with the anxiety of, oh my God, I'm going to let so many people down if I don't do this. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So it's just like, so then you feel guilty for letting all those people down, but at the same time, you can't bring yourself to work mm-hmm. on anything. It's just like... It's a stasis ah! feel of shitty feelings, yeah. So you just lay in your bed, watch Bob's Burgers, and... Hope for the best. Just cry. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that brief glimpse into your life. Uh, no, um, but no, I totally get it. It is also, I also do this another bit. Like, I talk, you know, I do stand-up comedy, and I talk mm-hmm. a lot about mental health and that because it's like this is a sick semi-safe outlet for yeah. this <laughs> like if i'm making jokes about it it kind of takes the power from it um as mm-hmm. well um but it's this thing of like it's difficult having anxiety and depression because on the one hand you have depression who's like oh god i just want to die and then on the other hand you have anxiety that goes but what if you do 
Like, it is that constant fear of, like, oh, we're all dying, we're all dying, I need to do something, and then you just don't feel like doing anything with your life, and it's, like, mm-hmm. two opposing forces, and that's why I feel like people get into this shock of, like, a, your stagnation, of they can't move because it's these two equally opposing forces driving together, like, a, a not like a magnet repelling, but like a magnet going mm-hmm. together, like, they're just, and then it's this, it's horrifying it's really it's it's almost like an endless it's like an endless car crash constantly (laughs) playing constantly happening like every single time like you live like you go out through through your everyday life and every day those cars just get closer and closer and closer and then eventually it's just like you're like i just wanted to go to denny's i just wanted to like watch a movie oh that's the worst as well when you like i find the like if i'm unable to work on something creative that make, that bums me out and mm-hmm. it's shitty but I, it's even worse when I can't do something that like is normal like I'll be mm-hmm. so panic stricken like I can't leave my house to go get groceries right now I guess I'm just gonna have coffee for lunch like that sort of thing and that's an issue and I, th- that always makes me the most ashamed I don't, like I can't do these normal everyday things yeah. that other people can and I'm just like oh, how do you deal with that yeah um after we're done with this, can you give me uh, the name of that person who finds therapists in the city? Uh, or no? I, I can probably get you. I can I can get their name from my therapist, okay. and then I can send it to you. That would be excellent. Um, they're really cool. Like uh, my therapist, she's not covered. She's not covered by insurance. I don't think any of them are covered by insurance. But she is only thirty five a week. Okay, that's doable. Yeah. That's very dual. Like, because that's my thing of, like, I have insurance, but, like, my father works for the county in Minnesota, so it's, like, either you go to a doctor in that county or you are not covered. Ah, uh, yeah. Essentially. So it's, like, I need to find someone who can work with me there. Um, because yeah, because how the phone conversation went was, he was like, okay, mm-hmm. what are your issues? What are, how much, what's your budget? Yeah. And I told him, and he was like, okay, uh, I'll set you up with this. Be here on... It's at, it's at, it's in a really nice place too. It's in, uh, where I go, it's at, in Lincoln Towers in Midtown. Oh, sure. Uh, and it's a little space and it's a bunch of different offices and it's really nice. And as from, from what I can tell, everyone who works there is really, really good. Okay. Cause I always, I always see people and I talk to them and they're always like, yeah, my therapist is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things, I haven't gone to therapy in a few months now, and it was one of those things of, like, there was a noticeable difference. I didn't think there would be, but, like, most of it was, like, I started talking to myself more. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm trying to work through shit, and I have no one to bounce it off of, but... Yeah, that was... I didn't go for, like, a whole month one time, mm-hmm. and my entire demeanor changed. Yeah? Just completely. I got... Much, I got... I started to get, like, the suicidal thoughts again. Mm-hmm. I started to work less and less and less. I started to just become more and more detached. So then when I finally went back, mm-hmm. it really perked me back up. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's good. Um, how do you deal with things? That, like, what techniques that can you pass on to people? Um, a lot of... One thing that I do, that they do in my play, is counting. Oh, yeah. Counting helps so much. Mm-hmm. And it's... Usually I just do a repetitious count to ten. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll go one, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, eight, 
9, 10. The 10 dual commandments. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also uh, a new technique that I learned from watching a show, Steven Universe. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. God, it's so great. Everybody. There's <laughs> Go this, watch it. There's this amazing, and I forgot what the technique is called, but um, there was a episode where two characters, Steven and Connie, they can fuse together. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the fusion becomes unstable when they both have these really negative thoughts or they're mm-hmm. both hanging on to things and they're not center and focused with one another. Mm-hmm. And one of, and so Garnet, who is one of the crystal gems, I'm hoping that some people are getting this because I can't explain it all because there's so much to explain. But uh, they go inside of the fusion's mind and they teach her to be, to take a moment, mm-hmm. close your eyes, like... It's meditation, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you just think about the horrible thoughts that you're having. Because I also suffer from a lot of intrusive thoughts. Yes. Intrusive thoughts are the worst thing ever. Yeah. And uh, just constantly reminding yourself, taking that moment, taking the breath, remembering that you are here, what happened, happened, Mm -hmm. and it's not going to destroy you. Mm -hmm. And just even repeating that mantra, like, what happened, happened, Mm -hmm. and it's not going to destroy me that helps loads. Yeah. Just, because that's one thing, especially someone like me who suffers from not being able to trust myself, Mm -hmm. not being able to do that, just constantly being able to say this to the point where you say it enough, you do start to believe it. Yeah, for sure. And it's just that kind of thing. And also, uh, just having any kind of creative outlet really Mm -hmm. helps. Like, uh, if I couldn't, if I couldn't write, I would be so much worse off than I am right now. Yeah. Even if you start something and don't finish it, just like sitting down and doing something to write down all of your feelings Mm -hmm. helps. Like write yourself a letter, write a short story, even, even dabble into poetry. I'm Mm -hmm. not a poet, but sometimes I just write down exactly what I'm feeling in Mm -hmm. like a funky way. Yep. Uh, just those things. Mm -hmm. Meditation is key counting really really helps because it centers you Mm -hmm. it really brings you into reality and reminds you where exactly you are yeah uh what i always do is when i know i'm starting to feel really stressed i close my eyes i just count to 10 sometimes i'll count back from 10 Mm -hmm. and i'll just do that and keep breathing in between every number Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't help like in the long run Mm -hmm. but it helps it can help put you into that place. Yeah. There's, what's really great about um, cognitive behavioral therapy is it's like techniques that'll help you in the moment and then also mm-hmm. just talking about, at least in my experience, talking about like how do you try to change your way of thinking. Um, I love Steven Universe so much mm-hmm. and it's because it is very, it's very good at metaphor. Um, or metaphor if you're American. Um... <laughs> But it is this beautiful thing of, like, and Rebecca Sugar has, like, recently opened up about her sexuality, and also, I believe she's also been, there's clear, like, mental illness stuff yeah, with it, like, so she's got to have at least one foot in that, like, you know what I mean? Like, she wouldn't have created these characters if she had Exactly. Have. My, I, I started crying, um, at the show, uh, when, when you figure out Garnet, like, spoiler alert, but you figure out Garnet's, um, a fusion. Mm-hmm. Because that meant so much to me because it is the thing of, that is the best 
metaphor for manic depression that I've come across recently because it is this idea of like there's two people kind of thing and like even Johnny Cash was like there's there's two people there's uh, Cash and he's the troublemaker and there's Johnny and he's the good guy and sometimes they fight and it's that sort of idea of you have the ability within having these two opposing forces inside you to work well into a beautiful thing because Garnet's incredibly well adjusted and she's mm -hmm. the coolest part of the show and I love it very very much and because it's, it's very hopeful have you have you seen the latest episode? I haven't. Mindful. I... It's not the latest episode. It's the one that came out two weeks ago. It's called Mindful Education. Okay. And uh, anybody, even if even if you're not a fan of Steven Universe, I would say if you have, if you suffer from any kind of like, if manic depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. watch that episode because I just think it's a very important episode and it's okay. a very important message. Mm -hmm. Like there's a moment where. Stephen and Connie's fusion breaks because mm -hmm. Stephen just can't handle everything that he's gone through. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, it hurts so much. I just don't want to do it. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. And then Connie has to tell him, like, I'm getting emotional just thinking about yeah. it. She's like, it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. You have to feel, you have to remind yourself that it's okay to feel that way or else you're never going to be able to move on from it. Mm -hmm. And that's such an important thing. Mm -hmm that not enough people know. Yeah. A lot of people think that the thoughts that they have are things that, one, they can't share with other people, and one, they don't feel like they have any business thinking. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, from an intrusive thoughts place, from, like, a place of, like, I, I have a hard time putting my trust in a lot of people, and it makes me feel really guilty, because I know these people are my friends. But the thing is, I feel that way. And I have to let myself feel that way, and I have to work through that, or else I'm never going to get through it. Yeah. You know? Certain. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is just letting yourself live in that, and go, this is me, sometimes, and trying to be better in the next moment, and whatever it is. And, like, intrusive thoughts on, on that are the worst. I was talking to my friend Chelsea yesterday, actually, about this, of, like, where she has a lot of anxiety as well, and um, sometimes you know your brain tricks itself in going, "Well, I don't have it that bad." Like I'm not. I, like I often will question my own diagnosis, which is very common for people who have this, because sometimes it doesn't seem very prevalent. Like right now, I'm not particularly anxious or anything like that. And um, but it is this thing of I said to her. Most people in their life maybe think, "Oh, I want to kill myself." Maybe once. Or twice when they're very depressed, when something very bad happens to them. Mm -hmm. Not five times a week, two, five times a day like I do. And it's like, oh, this isn't normal. So, like, even though I've never acted on that, and, like, I, I saints preserve me, never will, hopefully, and, and that sort of thing. But, like, it's, uh, it's one of those things of, like, even having that thought isn't neurotypical. And that was a really weird thing for me to realize. Mm-hmm. Because I, I've had thoughts like that for so long yeah. that I was just like, doesn't everybody think like oh, this? Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, I was literally, like, one time I was talking to a friend of mine, I was like, yeah, sometimes I just think about, you know, what if I just jumped off a building? Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. Like, like, when there's a minor inconvenience, I'm just like, man, I could just jump off a building right yep. now. <laughs> yep. And I'm never going to do it, and I know I'm not, but <laughs> it's just the thought that I have. And she yep. was like, that's Are you not okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh... 
Yep. It's like, oh, is this not okay? That's is fine. Is this not something that other people do? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just kind of. Yeah. Have you have you seen the new Star Wars movie? Can we talk about something else? <laughs> I mean, like, because I mean, you watch like TV shows and you always have characters like, oh, I want to kill myself, or oh, this, oh, that. Oh, and I'm just yeah. like, oh, that's what this is. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm being dramatic. I'm just like, <laughs> no, no. A lot of people go, oh, this is bad. Whereas I'm like, I oh, like it's the worst. I remember, like, and it's so your brain is so stupid. Because, like, I remember, like, not shutting the fridge door once, and that triggered, God, I should just, I'm wasting so much electricity, Jesus. <laughs> no. Like, I should just kill myself. And it's like, what the fuck, There was brain? one time I dropped a piece of paper. Oh. And I was like, I am a piece of shit. Yeah, it's, the, oh, it's the worst. And at the time, I was, and when it, when it happens, I'm just like, oh. Because eventually you get to the point where there, it's such a thing. And you're so used to it, you're just like, yep, you're right, I am a piece of shit, just let me pick up this piece of paper. <laughs> God damn it. My, my response is always, um, and like, I think the biggest, the best kind of advice I've ever been given um, was treat yourself kind of like you're in a romantic relationship with yourself. And that's why I love Garnet so much, because she, she literally is. Literally in a romantic is. Relationship, she is the romantic relationship. And it's wonderful. And like, when I'll have like, oh fuck, I just want to murder myself. I'll have that thought too, I want to murder myself, which is like... That's dark, man. It's like, oh. But um, I'll go, okay, babe, what's up? <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> I will literally call myself babe because it is like you have to treat yourself with that amount of kindness. Otherwise, you... Because if you respond with, like, anger, like, shut up, you piece of shit. You shouldn't be thinking that way. It's like, that's just going to exacerbate the situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take it and go, okay, buddy, what's going on? Uh, Chris Evans, um, who plays Captain America, yeah. obviously. He's uh, dating Jenny Slate. I know, it's so That's cool. Amazing. It's so cute. I love I it. I'm just, I love their relationship. Sorry. Oh, it's <laughs> fine. Um, but like, he suffers from massive amounts of anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the thing I do is I go, shh. And it just kind of stops and it makes you breathe. And also, um, there's another technique that's CBT that goes, stop. If you just say the word stop out loud when you have a bunch of intrusive, intrusive thoughts... It's generally it will, but like if you say stop in public, it's a little weird. Whereas if you go and kind of go shh, it's a little bit more subtle. You're fine, um, and that sort of thing. And that's something I use I, I daily when I'm at work, mm-hmm. when I'm trying to focus my mind. I uh, have to say, one, oh sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, no, I just have to say one of the things that I'm really grateful for is that we're getting to this point now where people who are public figures are being oh, much more open about sure. their mental struggles mm-hmm. like because i feel like it gives people so much more validation mm-hmm. like especially because we live in a culture right now where people are embracing the fact that they're like obsessed with things which yeah. i mean everyone's always been obsessed with yeah. things but it was it used to be a shameful thing mm-hmm. and now i'm just like yeah i'm a big fucking fan of marvel like mm-hmm. fuck you for judging me for it and yeah. just hearing people who are so idolized saying no, I'm actually a person and I suffer from this mm-hmm. is so important. One of the most wonderful moments was learning that Harrison Ford just gets is so uncomfortable and so socially anxious that like he deals with it. He gets real high. If you watch a lot of his like <laughs> Jim, Jimmy Kimmel shows, you can just see he's just like, um, fuck, what was I saying? Like, you can see, just, he's like, uh... But he's also also still very... You can see... That's why he's always, I think, been a very vulnerable actor. Is like, you can see, like... There's something that is a little scared about him all the mm-hmm. time. And, like, that was... Because he's this this guy that's... This matinee idol, and he's, like, a strong, big, you know, man. Man's man. And he's 
anxious a lot. Same with, like, once again with Chris Evans. It's wonderful that he came forward because he's Captain America. And if Captain America can deal with this, so can you. Mm -hmm. Like, And it's also just getting into this thing where people are writing characters and they're giving them mm -hmm. these things to deal with. Like, my web series that I'm working on, based around Super, Mm -hmm. all of the characters have some form of mental or physical ailment or disability. Yeah. And from that, a gene inside of them awakens and they develop a power. Mm -hmm. So literally, every single person with powers has some kind of, like, uh, just mental illness, mental disability, anything like that. But... They do, They get strength from it. They get a mm-hmm. power from it. Like Rick Riordan, who wrote um, the Percy Jackson books. Sure. He made the character Percy Jackson for I think it was his either it was his little brother or it was one of his like nephews mm-hmm. who suffer who suffers from dyslexia. Yeah. Really bad dyslexia. Percy Jackson suffers from dyslexia, mm-hmm. and it's literally because his brain's hardwired to do something else, mm-hmm. to see things in a different way. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do with this web series. Like, yeah, these people suffer from all of these different mm-hmm. things, but they also get empowerment from them, yeah. literally. Because mm-hmm. I feel like people need that nowadays. For sure. People need that validation. Like, like it's like even when it, moving into like physical areas like people who are deaf like people they need more representation yeah like uh, there's a show I hate ABC Family but they made <laughs> the show Switched at Birth mm-hmm. which had really really good like half the cast was deaf and they were played by deaf actors wonderful and they treated them like you know Human you should being? treat everyone yeah they gave them like these intense conversations and they there were scenes that were shot completely in ASL that's wonderful. And you you never see things like that. Yeah. Like, even nowadays, like, you see one or two things mm-hmm. dealing with that. But we live in a culture right now where mental illness, uh, physical disabilities, everything is kind of, like, swept under the rug. Yeah. Like, you may have one character who's in a wheelchair, which mm-hmm. is, it's great that they've included a character in a wheelchair, but they're there because they were clearly, like, we should probably put a character in a wheelchair and have them be like this stock wheelchair character. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just looking at you, Malcolm, in the middle. Um, but that's kind of like, it's also, they got a twofer out of that guy because he's also black and then also in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. so that's nice. Um, there's um, this new show, I can't remember what it's called, but with Minnie Driver, and it's dealing with um, her son who uh, probably has like... Uh, what is it that's in Awakening? It's not Parkinson's. It's, uh, it's something else um, where you, you freeze up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, It's that, whatever that is. I wish I could remember it. It's not cerebral palsy because that's different motor functions. Um, but anyway, where he freezes up and dealing with like how people treat him that way. And I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, hence doing this thing that I'm doing. <laughs> Representation is so important. And I'm like, I lucked out in as much as like, I'm a white dude, so I think I can Same. do anything. So, because I've been told all my life I can. But um, that's one of, like, that's why I liked House so much is because mm-hmm. he was this severely depressed, also disabled person who was also very good at his job, and you can have someone like that. My favorite arc is definitely though when he goes into the menstrual menstrual menstrual. Thank you for listening. The whole menstrual institution. Yeah, it's like for um about a week, and then he comes out at no um. 
it was like a, almost a menstruation. Anyway, I was free. Um, free association doesn't cost you anything. It's uh, anyway, um, <laughs> the mental institution. Um, and one of my favorite, the reason it is, is because Lin Manuel Miranda. He plays a manic depressive guy, and he fucking nails it. Because Lin Manuel Miranda is a god. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, it's amazing, and like, it's just this really wonderful thing of like, all of a sudden, I've every time. Like, as much as I, I have just said, like, I think I can do anything because I'm a white dude, whenever there has been someone who has been hyperactive in in the media in some form or another, um, I've always gone, okay, this, this, and it's so important that you get people like that, and then, like, even actors who do have mental illness and continue to work, it kind of shines through, through mm-hmm. their work. Like, as much as... Like, you can argue, like, you're not... It's almost like playing straight, you yeah. know, a little bit. But it's, uh... It does tend to shine through. Like, when you when you watch Richard Dreyfus, you're like, yeah, there's something going on with him. <laughs> it's like, there's something that's... He's different in some way. He's different in some way. Which is, I think, really uh, important and wonderful. And you... It's... It's represent... To conclude, representation is important. Yeah, because, and... Like, I was watching... I watched The Celluloid Closet last night, because mm-hmm. I'm getting really, really into... LGBT culture because I've been so separated from it my whole life. What in the South? No. <laughs> no. No, like you know, you grow up, you grow up in the South, and like I realized, oh, I have internalized homophobia, even though I'm gay, which was a really weird thought to have. But, yeah. Um, it's very um and very Ennis Del Mar of you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a. Uh, I kind of realized I was like, oh, this is literally the same for everyone, mm-hmm. and the reason that so many people don't understand it is because. We just live in this thing where if you're like a, um, if you're a white male mm-hmm. who is also straight, who has no kind of mental or physical ailment, disability, illness, anything, it's, that's what media has been for you. Yeah. And a lot of people don't feel like, uh, the mentally ill or the physically disabled or anybody needs any kind of representation because they think they think that we feel like oh it's such an awful part of ourselves and I mean being being anxious and being depressed it's not great but it's something that I'm living with yeah like it's not something that can go away mm-hmm. so I so it is a community mm-hmm. like it's a community of people who are all suffering who are all going through this who and some people and some people aren't suffering like people who are deaf people who are deaf they can't hear but a lot of people you talk to will be like I'm deaf and I'm proud and that's yeah, great for sure and representation for them is just as important as representation mm-hmm. for me as a gay male yeah for uh just as important as representation of a black person of mm-hmm. a, a latino person anybody yeah and people just need to realize that Yes, representation is important for LGBT and people of color, but it's also very important for the mentally ill, for the physically disabled, mm-hmm. because until they have that, then they're they're going to feel like, oh, I'm an outcast. Oh, I shouldn't feel this way. Nothing that I feel is validated. Yeah, and it's also on the flip side of that, you have this weird kind of romanticism, specifically with mental illness, and mm-hmm. it's very annoying. And like, as much as sometimes it's great to see. The, John Oliver said it very well. It's mental illness, the thing that actors get an Academy Award for playing. <laughs> like, it's that. It's like, yeah, of course. 
But um, it's frustrating as all hell because as much as there is, you know, there are beautiful moments because you think differently and that that's wonderful because... But there are also a lot of ugly moments of being mentally ill where you're consumed by this thing and this idea like, oh, all oh, my friends hate me. Oh, I'm very angry for no reason. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of people don't realize that depression isn't just like moping it's like being agitated it's not feeling physically well it's all this other stuff it's literally it literally morphs your reality Mm. like it change it can even affect your memory yeah it affects it like and it makes you feel like i cannot trust myself Mm -hmm. and that's one of the worst things about like a lot of representations of it is like oh you see people who yes a lot like there, there are moments where you feel sad, but that's not what depression is. Yeah. Depression isn't sadness. Depression is, it's a chemical imbalance in your brain, that, just warps your internal self. I think weirdly enough, one of the best representations of depression in the media is fucking uh, Darth Vader. Because <laughs> it is this thing of like you know even like with Anakin going, it's this self-loathing. It's not. It's not, it's a lot of anger inward, and it's not sad and lethargy all the time, but it's a lot of just, I don't like me, mm-hmm. and it's hard dealing with that. There's a beautiful moment, um, I don't know if you watched the show, Marin. Um, no, I have You should. Um, I, everyone in my life, I recommend stuff to him, of, of his, because... And if Gil's listening to this, he's gonna be like, "Shut up about Marin already." He already brought it up once. <laughs> but anyway, um, he just he just talks very openly about how his mind doesn't work correctly. Um, he suffers from basically almost paranoia every day, like that level of anxiety every single day, which is a hell of a thing to deal with. Um, but there's this beautiful moment of he's dealing with like his niece, and she's drunk at a party, and he's kind of rescuing her, and she turns goes, "Do you ever?" just feel alone even though you're in a room full of people and he goes yeah and he doesn't like make a big deal about it but he's like yep and like it's that it's this also this i feel like with depression it also comes with this weird isolating cripplingly lonely thing because it Mm -hmm. feels like no one loves you and it's hard to even though you know people do it's hard to process it you question it yeah like uh i for the longest time I didn't feel like I had any real friends yeah like I question because a lot of it came from the fact like why would anyone yeah like because another thing it, it also it makes you feel really just bad about yourself like you look down on all these things that you're feeling because one when you feel guilty for feeling this way and then you're just like if I feel this way why would these people even love me yeah you know and, and then it's... you're thinking because obviously they see right through it and it just builds and builds mm. and builds until you're just this little like a paranoid mess of like <laughs> I am completely alone in the world I feel no one loves me. <laughs> that's what it is though yeah, like it is because and the worst part is like people are loving you and they're mm-hmm. trying so hard but then you get to the point where you just don't even let them in anymore yeah you just close the door completely I remember I said to my high school girlfriend at one point like do you hate me She's like, absolutely, what the no? Where is that coming from? And I'm like, oh, because of this, this, this. And she's like, no, what the hell is wrong with you? And it is, it's, it's difficult. And it's just, because um, it warps your perception so fiercely. And it's, it's hard. And m- the scariest thing 
it's like doubling down. It's like, um, since I have that voice in my head that goes, oh, people hate me. And then I have a second voice in my head because I'm pretty well adjusted that goes, oh, no, you're just making that up. Mm-hmm. Then there's a third voice that goes, but what if you're wrong this time? Yeah. It's like, but it's what if there worst. is actually a problem and you don't do anything about it and you lose this person forever because you've offended them and you don't know that you have because you think you're making it up. And it's, it, it literally, it, I can spend just hours just thinking like, <laughs> what's my game plan here? <laughs> oh. Like, because it's, it's, it's an internal argument with yourself. Like, mm-hmm. not in the sense of like, oh, I'm literally yelling at myself, but it's just like, (laughs) it's just like, literally, you go through these different stages of like, I feel this way, no, but what about this? Like, oh my God, no, seriously, what about this? And you just, and eventually you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go to sleep. (laughs) I'm just going to sleep. I'm going to take my four hour depression nap. Where's my Ambien? (laughs) Oh, Oh. yeah, it's terrible. And it's just, it's. Um, yeah, and it's, I've always had that, like, staying awake at night, just thinking about different solutions and stuff like that, uh, to problems that don't exist, and that's just like, oh. You know what I think is the worst invention ever? Dildos, because, like, I mean... I mean, I think you and I have a fundamental disagreement there. <laughs> but I don't know if you think it's as fundamental as you think. No, <laughs> um, it is this thing of, like, well, I mean, no, but what's the but, worst um, invention? <laughs> Text messaging. Oh, it's awful. Text messaging is the fucking worst. It makes me so anxious. Like, when I was in high school, my parents getting me a cell phone so I could text people was the worst mistake. <laughs> because, like, it got to... Because I, I was such a, like, sad little kid that when people didn't text me back for, like, 15 minutes, I was like, they hate me. Oh, for sure. I like, still get they, that way. Yeah, I... Now it's, now it's just one of those things where I'm just like, no. No, they do not hate you. They are doing other things. Mm-hmm. Because I had a really good friend, a pen pal, email pal, mm-hmm. uh, that I had for my last two years of high school who I would I would literally just email her constantly be like, hey, you haven't responded. Do you hate me? Yeah. And instead of getting like really shitty, she would be like, look, I understand what you're going through, but I don't hate you. I'm literally doing other things. Yeah. Most people will be doing other things. Just keep telling yourself that. Mm-hmm. And that's, one of the, that's, that's the only way I'm able to get through it. Like... They're doing other things. They're doing other things. And also, telling yourself that, like, if they're mad, then you guys will talk about it. Yep. Next time you see each other. Especially if they're, like, a close friend. Yeah. Like, with when it when it gets to people who are kind of strangers, you never... Mm-hmm. At, you, you, you really don't know. Because you don't know them. But, like, my best friend, who is also my roommate, like, if <laughs> she doesn't text me back... It's gotten to this point where I'm like, oh, she she could hate me, but I'm just like, no, she's literally right beside you. Talk to her. Yeah. Just talk. Talk to if they're your friends, talk to them. If they're strangers, just kind of like wade the waters. Mm-hmm. Assume this. I've. I'm gonna say something that's kind of braggarty, but not really. It's um, it's not. It's just someone pointed out a good quality of me, and I think people should adapt it. Um, it's uh, what my ex girlfriend had an encounter with someone um at a. I was working. I said, okay, bye. Like, really friendly because I like people. And she's like, okay, bye, see you later. And, like, was oh. that enthusiastic? And my ex girlfriend was like, oh, she was kind of a bitch. I'm like, oh, no, that's just her. Because she just had, like, a monotone voice and wasn't really super enthusiastic, like, as a person. And she's like, I wish I could see the good in people like you do. Like, I give <laughs> people the benefit of a doubt a lot. And 
Because it is this thing of, like, you have no idea where they're coming from. Like, mm-hmm. when you text them, maybe they're in the middle of a crisis, or maybe they're watching a movie, or maybe they're, you know, in the shower, or, like, there's so many other things they could be doing. That being said, I do feel that fear. Those three, like, ellipses are the most terrifying things in the world to me on an iPhone. It's just, oh, God, The worst is, like, when you see them, and then they just disappear. Oh, it's like, what did I and do? And they're just like, wait, what were you going to say? A lot of people get anxiety from, like, seen at or delivered, like, seen at, read at whatever time. Whereas, I disagree. I'm like, at least I know they read it. That's all I care. Because a lot of it is like, will they ever see this? I don't know. If I see that they read it, it's like, okay, then they're choosing to deal with it later. I get it. See, but, that, but my thing is, whenever I see that, I'm just mm-hmm. like... Oh, they read it, but they're not going to respond to it. They obviously just do not. That's where my mind mm-hmm. goes. But yeah, it's like your mind's going to go where it's going to go, and you just got to like be prepared to just like kick it back. Yeah. Just like punch it away. Just like get away. Get away, bad thoughts. There's a beautiful moment, and M- Miles, um, who's my best friend of 10 years, um, he, he actually quoted this moment because I said it was really beautiful. Um, uh, Billy Crystal, Robin Williams, Dudley Moore, and some other schmo, um, were all doing the Oprah Winfrey show years ago, like mid-90s or whatever, um, and, uh, Oprah asks Robin a question, and he hems and he haws the way he did, you know, he was the master at, like, deflecting, he would not answer a direct question, it was amazing, and, um, but he hems and he haws and he's, like, uh, uh, clearly anxious about what he's about to say, and Billy, God bless him, just turns to him, puts his hand on his shoulder, goes, they already like you. <laughs> and then you see him relax, and he, like, you can see he's, like, verklempt about it. And he makes a joke about it, obviously, because that's how he deals with emotions, how he dealt, rather, with emotions. Um, but it's that moment, like, that I, often I have to remind myself of, they, they already like you, they're your friends, you don't have to prove, mm-hmm. you don't have to prove that you're likable. And that's a huge thing. It's very, very difficult to do, though. Yeah. Because you're like, I, I want to prove to people that I'm a good person, that I'm worth loving. And, like, everything I do is trying to prove to myself as well that I am. Mm-hmm. When, really, everyone is worth loving because they all have these good things inside them. I remember uh, one of the one of the big moments for me in therapy was talking to my therapist, and she, uh, I just, it was that... It was a few sessions after I had told her that I didn't trust any of my friends. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I had this realization in the middle of the session. I was like, oh, I don't trust these people because these are toxic people. Oh, yeah. That's also a different thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's totally, it's like a total, I'm totally. Yeah, but jump and we'll go. But, um, like, because, like, you, when you have such intense negative emotions towards yourself and when you are constant, when you have, like, really horrible, intrusive thoughts, when you have, uh, when you suffer from depression and anxiety, it always culminates in some kind of low self-worth kind of thing. Yeah. And I had the, I had really, really low self-worth for a long time to the point where I would try and change my personality to fit people around me. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things that I realized when I was in the session, I was like, oh, I don't trust any of these people because they're pieces of shit. (laughs) (laughs) What's always like, what's the best, worst realization though? Because on the one hand, you're like, oh, my friends are terrible. But on the other hand, like, well, now I can fix it. Yeah. It was like, it was like, oh, like I just need to start talking to people that I actually like being around. Yeah. And it was, and and she was like, okay. So you don't like any of your friends? I was like, no, I think I hate them. 
<laughs> I'm not sure. I'll get back to you like, next week, but I'm yeah, it was, sure it, I that's my how it was. It was oh. like I was like, no, I think I hate all of my friends. Like literally, like I don't think I like any of them because I realized like being so stressed and being so anxious and depressed all the time. I one, I felt like I didn't actually have a personality anymore. Oh yeah, because I was like morphing it to fit all these people, and then mm-hmm. I realized maybe what I need to do is just get away from these awful ass people. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about like um, when you're alone, you are who you are, mm-hmm. and it's that, and it's. Um, a lot of people have a hard time with that, specifically like mentally ill people. Like, it's not like I don't like myself when I'm alone because I have no external sim- stimuli to validate myself. And I'm like, that's the problem. You have to like, fix that when you're mm-hmm. alone. You have to like yourself. And it's that's really your personality. But that being said, personality is just a weird amalgamation of like defense mechanisms anyway, which is kind of a weird thing to think about. But it's true. Yeah. Um, and I feel like intent is truly who a person is. Like, if mm-hmm. they mean well and how they deal with um, adverse conditions. Um, what I've said a lot of what makes a good person is um, empathy. And, oh, there's another part of it. But it's mostly empathy and good intent. Like, because if you listen and you can respond and go, oh, you're going through this thing, that's shitty, can I help? Like, that's what makes a good person or not, if they're well-intended. Whereas, even if you are that way, but you're like, like, I'm aggressively nice. I don't know if you've, like, really seen that side of me, but I'll be like, my philosophy is basically, fuck you, let me help. Mm-hmm. Because it is the thing of, like, a lot of people won't let you help them because they're too prideful or some stupid bullshit reason. Whereas, you're like, just, everyone needs help all the time. You might as well just accept it and be grateful for it. And I'm not saying be grateful for my help. I, that's, but it's, that's the main arrogant part of me. Is yeah. I think I can help everybody, yeah. which is not true, but admirable quality though. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a lot I, better than just hating everyone. Yeah. I, I try, I try real hard to help, but like a lot of times I'm like I can't, and I'll say those words I cannot help you with this, and they're like I'm not expecting you to. I'm like okay, good, because otherwise I'll be like, uh, yeah, but um, I think we gotta we gotta wrap up. But it's been great having you on. Um, where can people find your stuff and so forth? Uh, people can find my stuff. I have a Facebook page, at Shan Smith. Um, I also have a theater company where you can be updated on pretty much everything that I'm doing because I run the theater company, uh, right. Paperlight Productions. Just go on Facebook, type Paperlight as one word, Productions. Uh, I also have a Tumblr page called um, actualhumanpieceofgarbage.tumblr.com. <laughs> And I have a writing Tumblr that's just shandysmith.tumblr.com. What's the, um, what's the D stand for? Uh, Dale. Dale. Yeah. Shannon Dale Smith. Junior. Junior. Yep. That being said, Shannon Dale sounds dope. <laughs> Shannon Dale. If you like, um, hyphen it up. Also, um, where, uh, where did Paperlight come from? Like, Paperlight came from, uh, <laughs> me and my roommate trying to find a really cool name that we like. Okay. And well, it, we realized one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted to bring theater back to like the people and make it more accessible and paper light kind of, and the paper light mm-hmm. illuminates the way for that to happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's where you can find stuff from me. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being on. Thanks and for having me on. Yeah. It's been great. Good. I'm glad. Um, come back anytime if you want to and we can chat more. Um, I'll have to start watching Supernatural so I can keep up with the... Don't do it. It's a horrible, horrible Horrible, thing. horrible show. Yeah. It's on, it's on its 12th season now. Don't geez, do that. Geez. I stopped watching four, like three <laughs> years ago. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Mm-hmm.